Welcome in to the DNVR College Podcast presented by Manscaped. I'm Henry Chisholm, and I'm here with Justin Michael. What is that, my dude? Uh, not much. I'm recording a podcast with you. Uh, and today <laughs> we're talking about um, a couple of really fun things. Uh, we are going to go through the three opponents. Well, I guess I'm going through three, but CSU has four non-conference games that we would schedule for our school's non-conference schedule that was like the least clear way i could have explained that but essentially i'll be picking whatever three games i wish the buffs were playing instead of the three they are playing and justin will do the same we're also going to talk about the best games of week one of the college football season and uh before we kick all that off we got to touch on the news of the week because that is a very important thing right now because a lot of things are happening so, I wish uh, we had like a little jingle like on Blue's Clues when he did like oh, the mail time or whatever. Just yeah, time. People are we like, just need like an hell? intern or something. Maybe we can get Ben on here to just sing our jingles for us. Oh, I'm speaking of Ben, the intern, he's in the PS4 Madden League for DNVR with me. Mm-hmm. And he didn't realize which team I was. And I offered him a trade and he was like totally dogging my trade in the group chat. And I, <laughs> I got hopped on the Discord because we were in like the audio one during, during the draft. And oh. I was like, hey, Ben, you're fired. <laughs> That's good stuff. He needs to be threatened to be fired occasionally. It just keeps him in his place. Exactly. And I made it clear afterwards that I definitely don't have that power. I, I'm sure he knew that anyways, <laughs> but yeah. it's fun to pretend to matter. I know. That's like why I have an intern if you can't pretend to fire him. Like, <laughs> what's the point? Uh, but yeah, news is important. Um, as a uh, just general lead into this, things are not as bad as they were last week, but I would still say the news is generally bad. Has that been like your take on just in general college football over the last week? Yeah, it, it just kind of feels like my optimism for this season, like going off smoothly is, is decreasing by the week. Exactly. I still just it always comes back to money for me. So like at that point, I like, I still feel like football is going to happen. Like they're going to find some way to push this through, but it just feels like, yeah, like logistically, how are we going to make this work? I felt like last week there was like a major step back. And then this week there was just like a moderate step back where it's just like, yeah, things aren't getting much better. There are more tests, positive tests. People are still mad, but it isn't, a whole new groundbreaking week in my mind in terms of the changes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not like a situation where, you know, we should be up here going like everybody panic football is not going to happen now. Um, you know, given the, the testing numbers that, you know, you put place like Clemson, it just brings up the question, you know, like what do you do when mass amounts of players start testing positive? How long do you shut it down for? And if you do shut it down, you know, does that resolve the issue? We haven't really gotten to see that yet because, you know, it just, there just hasn't been enough time. I, it's going to be kind of interesting to me to look back like a month from now and see what's happening at Clemson, what's happening at a place like Boise State where they recently had to shut down the campus. So it's, it's just going to be interesting to see how all of this goes. It kind of goes back to the theme of what we've been saying the last couple of weeks. Um, we don't know. And it just sucks because it's so hard to talk about. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, But yeah, I mean, you brought the Clemson numbers uh, just today. The numbers for Clemson from the last week were released. Um, 
So two weeks ago, two players tested positive. Last week, 21 more tested positive. This week, 14 more is the new number, bringing the total at Clemson to 37. They had 30 players uh, quarantined as of a couple of days ago. LSU had 20, I believe. Um, those are the two teams that are in the national championship. So you can see that this really is impacting um, schools. Um, but even more than the testing numbers, because I think at this point we're expecting to see positive tests. You know, that 14 number doesn't surprise me. Um, do you have any No, thoughts? I mean, they're getting, yeah. like, you put everybody together, naturally the, the tests are going to go up. The, what I'm curious about is, is this spreading – you know, because of, because of the football activities or is this spreading because of what the players are doing in their free time? You know, I don't think it's necessarily realistic to expect, you know, the players to just sit at home all the time when they're not playing yeah. football. But that is, you know, the big concern because it doesn't matter what these teams are doing from a sanitation process, social distancing, all of that. If after practice, the players are going out to bars, you know, going out to nightclubs, whatever it is, even like a place like a movie theater or like an off-campus gym or something like that, you just never know, you know, how are they monitoring this? Is it even possible to figure some of this stuff out? Yeah. Well, and, and again, there's just so much to it. And like you said, like you want to see what's happening with this stuff a month from now and all of it plays out. And I feel like we all just have these different time periods kind of ingrained in us where it's like, okay, we all know about two weeks after something happens, you start to see whether the cases rise from it. You know, as the protest, whether that's bringing everybody back to football facilities, all of it. And then a month out, you really get the clear picture. You know, we're starting to see like three to four months out, you can see how the antibodies are working, how the uh, like long-term effects are impacting people. And, and so it's just kind of like building and building all this information we're getting. But yeah, it, it's going to be well before we see this stuff. Getting back to the players going out on their own, this was the first week that we as CU media had a chance to talk to players on the team. Uh, so Mustafa Johnson actually brought up that there is this push. Like there is a lot of pressure, a lot of peer pressure really on the student athletes to not go out. And they all get it. And that's something they kept going back to uh, that Mustafa said that they were just constantly talking about. Like, you don't go out. And if you go out, everybody on that team is going to be angry at you. And that's the way it kind of has to be. And you're seeing the effects where I, I believe only two football players still have tested positive, which is much better than the numbers across the country, even though Colorado isn't uh, in a bad place in terms of coronavirus right now compared to a bunch of other states. Boulder in particular is within Colorado. It's definitely been encouraging, at least from a Colorado and Colorado State standpoint. If somebody has tested positive at Colorado State, they haven't made it public. And, and that's very well possible just given, you know, HIPAA and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. That was actually one of the things I talked about on the Rams podcast yesterday. It's going to be kind of unique to see how different reporters balance that and how they report on the coronavirus. Like, it is. Do we really need to know which players specifically are testing positive? Probably not, to be honest. But I get why people are, you know, this isn't me like criticizing reporters for doing it, but I don't know. It is. I'm not sure I would want that information out about myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it is so weird um, because, you know, we're both reporters, obviously we both go through it. Uh, just this week, Taylor Corniak, who uh, played at CU was the number four overall pick in the NWSL draft, which is the women's soccer league. Uh, in the United States. So fourth overall means she's a pretty incredible player. 
the, the news comes out, the Orlando Pride, the team that drafted her, won't be competing in the return to women's soccer. And it's the only team that isn't returning because a bunch of the young players on the roster tested positive for the coronavirus. And they were able to trace it back to a night at the bar. Um, people, or I, and, and then they did come out with another statement that said there were multiple nights at the bar. But when everybody else is pointing at Taylor and saying, hey, it looks like she's part of the group, we can go back through the um, uh, Venmo interactions to see like she, she was out. Like it is this weird thing where I feel like I wouldn't want to push that out there. But when I have a Buffs podcast, and this is already out there. I feel like there is this kind of responsibility to just like inform people of what the narrative is, you know, where oh, it's just definitely like, like once it's, it's out, it's out. Like you I might know, as well talk about it. I just mean like, you know, I don't see myself busting my back to try and like scoop, you know, like this is the CSU player that tested positive. Cause at the end of the day, like, unless that player was like super reckless or something, mm-hmm. does it really matter? Yeah. Well, and, and there definitely is a stigma around it too, especially when these are public figures. You know, I, I know that I, how do I not give away any information? I know that somebody who I come into contact with regularly um, through some sort of, let's just say that somebody who I, I see regularly has come into contact with somebody who. It has been put out there because people are reporting on the names of athletes who have tested positive. It has been put out there that he has also been in contact with that person. And so for me, it's like, oh. I didn't really consider it from a public health perspective. I guess there is that side of the story. Like, do people have the right to know just given, you know, like I would want to know who I've been in contact with, I guess. I don't know. It's a weird, what a weird time to be alive. But then there's also like this responsibility on those people. Like, we know that there's contact tracing and we know that if, if this person tested positive, then you, you can like look back and figure out who they've come into contact with. And the people who know whether those people should be taking themselves out of society have had those conversations with them. And so there is this kind of trust where it's like, I can still go to you for the situations where I need to go to you because I know this process has happened. And so you must be fine, but there is that stigma and, it's it really is a complicated thing i do have to say this though leaving your uh, venmo transactions public that's a rookie move rookie move that is fair that is fair that's that's not a controversial take at all um i think mine are public as well we're gonna work on that but yeah so there's that going on too um just to hit on what the news actually is instead of just our general feelings about it um you know the the, the big news is probably Morehouse College, uh, historically black college, plays Division II football. Uh, it announced today that it would not be playing any sort of sports, I believe, in 2020, including football. Um, so that is the first program or scholarship program that has cut football for this season. That's something to pay attention to, as we talked before, because if, say, Fresno State, uh, doesn't play the buffs have Fresno state on the schedule. They're going to have to fill that in. And I think we're going to start to see some of these lower level schools, these D two schools start to say, we can't do it. That trickles up to the FCS. And then maybe you see some FBS schools. Um, do you have anything you want to say there before we move on? I'd say the odds of FBS not playing are, are not quite as high. I mean, you will see some schools 
cut some non-revenue generating sports, especially yeah. if they're in a position to do so from a, from a Title IX perspective. You know, when you look at a school like CSU, they, li- they literally can't cut any programs right now or it's going to cause issues with Title IX. But, you know, like a school like Northern Colorado or Mesa down in Junction, you yep. know, a Division II program, they're a scholarship program, but they don't make a ton of money off of athletics at some point they just might decide, you know, we're, we're spending too much. The, uh, where it's really, really going to be tough is for programs that have like recently invested in their athletic program. You know, what if you spend all this money on your gym? I'm, I'm drawing a blank on, I believe it was Gillette college, which is a junior college up in Wyoming. Uh, they recently announced that they're getting rid of all of athletics. They just renovated their entire basketball arena like two years ago. It's at, like actually a really dope setup. Now you're just gonna throw it out the window. That's that's a tough break. It is. It is, and that's. Uh, I mean, I I I think that we're just kind of starting this process, and the things that would sound very surprising right now, when we get to August, may not sound so surprising as we continue down this road, where it is like, oh, we're starting to get a little pessimistic. We're starting to hear again that maybe the beginning of the season will be delayed, which is something that. I hadn't heard from anybody for at least a few weeks before this last two week period where we're starting to see that movement. And, and again, it's just, we don't know. And it's just going to take some time to see uh, one thing that we brought up last week though, on the college podcast was uh, the Chuba Hubbard situation and the power dynamic between coaches and players and how players may be, may be, more empowered to speak out against this against coaches who are racist or maybe not racist but have not even just that specifically i mean that's obviously a great example of it but really just the 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 power to speak out about anything in general you know i think for years and years so many so many athletes were just terrified of of speaking on anything you know whether it was racism or just something going on, you know, police brutality, whatever it may be, just uh, issues in our society because they didn't want to draw negative backlash. They didn't, didn't want any criticism. The schools were too scared to take a stand because they were worried about, you know, alienating their audience and all of that. And we're kind of seeing a position now where the players are realizing, like, I mean, we, we have all the cards here. If we just say we're not going to play unless you do this, we can kind of force the school's hands. We saw it with Oklahoma state last week and now we're seeing it in Mississippi with Kylan Hill and him declaring that he's not going to play for Mississippi state unless Mississippi changes the state flag, which obviously has the, uh, the Confederate symbol in it. Yep. That's happening. The Kansas state stuff is going on with the racist tweets. Yeah. I'm not going to, I don't remember the dude's name, but it was just some, I guess like right wing MAGA type dude. I don't, I don't know. I don't really follow him. So I don't, I don't care to be honest, but he said something really terrible about George Floyd. It's it's not even worth repeating. And Kansas state players basically came out and they were like, we're not going to play for Kansas state. If this dude is allowed to, you know, go to Kansas state and represent our university. And there's, there's going to be some clash on that, I think, because people are going to argue free speech and you're entitled to do all that. But at the same time, you know, universities have a conduct code. They have very strict guidelines about, you know, inclusivity 
and trying to prevent this type of thing. It wouldn't surprise me if Kansas State ends up expelling this dude. Yeah, yeah. And that's going to be another thing to monitor um, over the next few weeks. And again, it's, it's more about this trend than any specific incident where it's Chuba Hubbard and then it's Kylan Hill and then it's a bunch of Kansas State players. And we're just seeing these pop up more and more as we kind of expect to as we go through this. And so keeping an eye on what's going on there will be important, especially because it could be the case that it could be a team closer to home eventually that's going through these processes. And so paying attention to what's happening in other places would uh, make some sense. Um, Okay. I think that that does it for all the news that we had to touch on, right? There's really nothing else big. Yeah, it wasn't a super news heavy week by any means. Like you know, like you said, the COVID stuff kind of glanced over that. Kylan Hill probably the biggest. I guess we didn't mention mm-hmm. the fact that uh, because Kylan Hill did this, a bunch of representatives from different universities, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, they all went to the uh, state capitol to lobby for this. So definitely, definitely changes are coming. I don't think you would have seen something like this, especially in the SEC. I mean, we're seeing. Ole Miss coaches publicly speak out against the rebel flag. We're seeing Alabama football release a two-minute video about how all lives can't matter until black lives matter. You wouldn't, this, that wouldn't have happened even like a couple of years ago. It just wouldn't have. We're kind of in a position right now, I think, where it's the more popular decision. It's like the cool thing to stand up for, you know, social equality. And it's kind of cool. It's kind of refreshing, especially considering you know college athletics generally pretty shady yep uh, other thing with kylan hill for those who haven't been paying too much attention he's really good at football um really good <laughs> it's, it's a big deal yeah dre and i were talking on the draft podcast which we recorded just before this um because uh we were we were running through all of the odds on DraftKings. shout out DraftKings um that include like the f- uh, the the odds for a player to be the first player taken from his position group and right now DraftKings has Colin Hill ranked fourth so fourth running back taken is their guess and Dre and I both had him higher than that and said there's a real chance that he is the first running back taken but it is strange with this Mississippi stuff going on both head coaches there but yeah um those Change are really your damn worth- flag Mississippi can we just like <laughs> yeah <laughs> what is the defense of that for god's sake that's yeah yeah right there with there you isn't one change it right there with you so yeah, um, that's really what's going on. Starting to see more players come forward. Pay attention to that. Coronavirus cases still trending upward, um, but the only schools that have said that there will be changes have been Morehouse College types that say we can't play football at all. That's the only scholarship school that said that, a uh, Division II school. Uh, I think that does it for news. We'll do news again next week um, with whatever comes up this week. But before we talk about the five games we are most excited to watch in week one of this college football season, we want to tell you about Breckenridge Brewery. Breckenridge Brewery is incredible. Uh, So many good beers. What's the last Breckenridge beer you've had, Justin? I had two strawberry skies last night, actually. It was was nice and refreshing. It's been really hot lately. I'm about it. It's like summer in a can. Where were you when you drank them? Just sitting on my uh, crappy little patio. I, I have a terrible view uh, of just like an apartment <laughs> complex, and it's it's not very peaceful normally. But you want to know what? 
I had that bliss in a can and I was doing okay. Yeah. See, I don't have a patio. There's like this whole thing that happened with us renewing our lease where like the paperwork was submitted in the wrong order for us to be able to move because of a whole bunch of dumb leasing rules. Love that stuff. But we were supposed to be like up at the top of our building with a balcony for only like a hundred bucks more a month with washer and dryers in our apartment. Instead, we are still not up there and uh, we don't have any sort of patio to go outside. It's all inside where we drink our beer. I mean, it's really like a state of mind. You know what I mean? Just throw some sunglasses on, drink that beer in the living room close your eyes maybe put some beach sounds on it's whatever you'll be all right i feel like i feel like it works for like the third and fourth beers but maybe not the first and second well but yeah but that's okay because the first and second you're just so stoked to finally be having you know your first beer of the day that yeah, you forget about all that other stuff yeah you're yeah not just any beer <laughs> colorado's choice beer the official beer of dnvr breckenridge brewery you know pick it up use the breck beer locator takes all the inconvenience out of beer shopping if you're in the metro area, you can get it delivered via Davidson's. They have two locations, uh, one in Centennial, one in Highlands Ranch as well. Shout out to Breck. I'm going to have a, it's about 4.30. It's about Breck o'clock. Yeah, I think it is. If I knew how to pause this, then I would say we should pause and go grab some beers. Um, but instead, oh, wow. You had one right on you. Uh, instead, we're moving along to DraftKings because the sports landscape is ever-changing, and this week is no different. Luckily for all of us sports fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, has us covered. And for a limited time, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. This week is actually full of action. There's golf. I've been watching golf all day the last two days, and I'm going to keep doing it all weekend. There's soccer going on in Europe, and DraftKings Sportsbook has action on all of it. That's not all. If you head to the app now, you can find special odds. You can find promotions that'll be available throughout the week to help you make it rain. They're based right here in the U.S. They aren't offshore. Uh, You know your funds are safe. You know they're secure. You can deposit and you can withdraw whenever you want. And again, to top it off, they're offering their best sign-up offer to date right now. You don't want to miss it. Download the top-rated sportsbook or DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code DNVR when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's code DNVR to get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado-only bonus comprised of a first deposit or a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough restrictions. Do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. I skipped part of that. Like, I just skipped ahead in my, in my mind because I've read it so many times that just missed a piece. Happens to the best of us. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I opened this beer, but uh, it's kind of warm. So that, that I spilled <laughs> all over myself. But, oh, no, uh, I missed that. All for the bit, baby. All for the bit. All for the bit. Um, also, you're wearing a Bama hat. Is Bama USC in your uh, best games of week one? Well, obviously. Because that's the one I'm most excited for, too. And I was just talking about this with Dre because we were going through everything, talking about, like, who would we bet on for, like, the college football playoff to make the college football playoff. USC Ooh, that's has a fun a, topic. We'll do that next week. We will. USC has a sneaky path. They have to beat Bama week one, but... 
if there's ever a time to take on Bama, it's week one when they're changing quarterbacks, right? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, as a Bama fan, I'd, I just don't fear USC. And a lot of that happen, has to do with the last time they met up in Dallas. It was it was a slaughtering. It was it, it looked a lot That's like fair. an SEC team playing like CSU. Actually, CSU <laughs> has competed against Alabama significantly better than USC has over the last decade. Really? So, yeah, I mean, in 2017, the Rams scored the most points against Alabama all season. Against anybody they played. SEC was it week one? No, it was like week four. Oh, dang. See, week one. I, I thought that that would be the... Can't even talk crap. Can't even can't even throw shade on it. It was legit, but yeah, it was a legit close loss. (laughs) (laughs) When you're playing the number one team on the country, the eventual national champion, I I think you got to take that as a Mountain West team. But how how can you not be excited about USC Alabama? It's two historic powerhouses. Week one, I love that they've been doing it. Um, It's a little bit frustrating in terms of. I don't think there's a lot of quality football that, that, that gets played in week one. So maybe you should play this like week two, week three, something like that. But in terms of getting everybody amped September 5th, Bama USC doesn't get any better than that. Other than the Rocky mountain showdown, obviously, but we're, uh, we're going to leave that one out. Cause we're going to be there. So we don't <laughs> we need are to gonna be there. Uh, yeah. And that, that uh, we should clarify that we are both very excited for that game, but decided we couldn't include it because we're both very excited for that game. But yeah, USC Bama, I think that people forget just how much talent USC still is getting despite having terrible coaching. Like that's the real problem there. Like you look at those receivers, they probably have six guys who are four stars or better who are six foot three or taller and run a four, four, eight or faster. Like they're just all blue chip athletes all through that roster. They always have speed. They always have great athletes. Do they have the quarterback, though? That's, that's been the big lack for, you know, USC. There was the brief stretch with, with Sam Darnold where it was like, all right, maybe USC is going to do some stuff here. But until they have that legit quarterback, mm-hmm. I just don't know if you're going to be able to compete with, a, with an elite team like Bama. That said, Bama's going to have a new quarterback, too. Got to replace, you know, a lot of starters. Maybe USC can squeak one by him. Exactly. And see, that's why I'm so hyped on USC is because I, I am bought in on Keaton Slovis. And I know that like, I have a responsibility to bus fans to not like drive a hype train for anything related to USC. But the truth is, as a true freshman, he looked really good last year. He definitely like, that's, flashed. That's why JT Daniels decided to transfer. And like JT Daniels, still a guy who you look at and say a, a decent year gets him into the NFL draft. And he Would said, Bucks fans really be upset if you hyped up a USC? Is that like a, is that a Pac-12 team that Buffs don't like at this point? I mean, I know they haven't beaten I, them, so there's that reason to not like them. But other than that, has it been like, is there some animosity there? It's mostly, I mean, they're the not having beaten them is the most frustrating part. But there's almost like my my understanding, having been around Buffs fans who talked about USC for about a year now, is it's almost like it's this like Dodgers type thing where it's like okay, you guys are like the big money, like gross, buy all of the talent type of school that's just going to win despite not being structured perfectly and despite having a a pretty terrible coaching staff just because you're in LA and all the LA players will consider going there and you're going to win some of them over that you probably shouldn't. 
So it's kind of like CSU and Boise State where they have that, it's like that slight inferiority complex because the other team is so successful. But it's also like that slight level of frustration knowing that like at our best, we could compete with them and we just can't right now. And that's what makes it so much worse. The Buffs blew a fourth quarter lead to USC last year. Would have been the first time. I remember I watched it. I was out in Fresno for the Fresno State CSU Mm -hmm. game. I watched it at a really cool sports bar out there. I can't remember what it was called. I guess that's not a great sell, but if you're in Fresno, (laughs) they have a cool sports bar. (laughs) Yeah. So check them all out, find it. But yeah, I mean, I I think that that's what it is. And I think it's, it's more of that. That's just one of those clouds that's been hanging over the Buffs head really for this last decade and a half where they've been, I mean, it's been a decade and a half that they've kind of been irrelevant for the most part, college football wise, at least nationally. And the last decade of that has been, with them losing consistently to USC every year. And so that's just one of those clouds that's a part of this era that people are just waiting to push aside. So what you're saying is that Buff Nation will be all about that roll tide on September 5th. It'll be interesting because, again, like you people have just to, hate Alabama. Well, there's that factor as well. But yeah, I mean, for the Pac-12, it's so huge for USC to be good. Like, USC needs to be the leader of that conference. It's consistently in the top 10 because they have all of the resources to be able to do that, and that's what brings in the TV money. And when you're within two years of a TV contract, I think you have to be pulling for the Pac-12 in every single game that they aren't playing against each other. But but again, you're coming like, at that with too much logic. You know, that's not exactly. that's not the fandom perspective. That's not the... I just hate USC. I hope Bama rolls them because I'm tired of them turning their nose up at us. Yeah. Like, like right now, if somebody said in eight years, the Broncos will have another $10 million because the Raiders just won a game. I'd be like, I don't care. The Raiders should lose every game. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, but yeah, it, it is, it is one of those things where it's like emotionally, obviously no, but logically it'd be so much better for Colorado for USC to win that game because then all of a sudden you have a chance to beat USC who beat Alabama on Halloween. So we'll see. Halloween is going to be an awesome football week. We've got a USC playing CU and we've got Mm -hmm. Colorado state hosting Wyoming. So two Friday night games. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, that will be great. Okay. What's your second Um, game? Second game. Um, and see, this is where it gets tougher because there are some other games that I really like on there. Um, but they're mostly the next week and I'm pulling up my notes right now, but I'm thinking about the, the Oregon Ohio state game, but that's September 12th, the week after. Yeah. That's week two. All right. I'll go Um, then. We've got BYU versus Utah. Yes. And that's not a game that's necessarily going to get like a ton of national love. Like I don't think people like in the SEC fans or like big 10 fans are going to be really stoked about, I believe this is called the Holy Wars, what they call that rivalry. Um, can't remember if that's Utah, Utah state or BYU. I think it is BYU, Utah, but these are two fan bases that absolutely hate each other. This is like CU CSU on steroids. They cannot stand each other. It's two teams where, the game doesn't really impact the course of their season all that much because BYU being independent, Utah Pac-12, even if you lose it, you can go on and still accomplish like more or less all of your goals, still win the league, still make the playoff, whatever your goal is for that year. But it's one of those where 
bragging rights are just so important. They play it like it's a week 13, you know, game to decide the league. And I'm just, I love those type of rivalry games. Any game where two teams absolutely hate each other, Alabama, Auburn, Michigan, Ohio State, BYU, Utah, I'm in. I think it's going to be a great game. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good choice. And again, just some significant implications as well. I think like with, with Utah, at least getting a quick read, is this team back? Like, is it a team that can actually compete for a PAC 12 title again and be on the verge of a college football playoff appearance? Or will they lose to BYU week one? And everybody's like, okay, that was just a quick little phase there. They got exposed hard at the end of last season. I do think there's some intriguing talent there. I think Utah's another team that like very subtly could be very dangerous in the Pac-12 this year. That's a tough matchup. I do think it's in Utah, it's, which, is, which is definitely going to be big. But it's going to be a fun matchup, man. I love rivalry, rivalry games week one. I still go back to the same thing where it's like, it sucks when you lose a rivalry game week one because then you're just like, you know, we weren't even ready yet. Like, if only we got to play them week three. But it's also just like in terms of drawing all that interest, getting everybody excited again, doesn't get much better than that. Yep, that's a really good one. Uh, next up, I've got Michigan and Washington. I think that that is going to be an incredible game, especially because they're playing the game in Seattle, which should balance things out. It's a little surprising that they got Michigan to come all the way out to Washington for this. Yeah. Oh, Kudos yeah, to totally. their AD. That's a big-time poll. I don't, it's probably a home-and-home, home, but still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think that'll be fun. It'll be an early read on Washington, and that's a team that is losing some key pieces, including their head coach and replacing him with uh, Jimmy Lake, uh, the defensive coordinator. And so I don't think that this is going to be – a great opportunity for the Pac-12 to make a statement. I mean, it's a great opportunity. I don't think it's going to go through. I think that even though Michigan is going to always be kind of overhyped, especially when they're structured the way they're structured now with Jim Harbaugh and all that stuff, but I wish that this game had happened last year or if they'd hold this off for 2021 because I think Washington could give them a real run for their money. But first game with a new head coach, losing quarterback, losing your running back, losing a key receiver, losing uh your your top cornerback like there's just so many talent talents at important positions that are gone for them to actually win this i think i think it's a fun matchup too you know you bring up jimmy lake you bring up jim harbaugh these are two coaches who are both going to have something to prove lakes taking over for chris peterson who had a ton of success he's going to want to prove himself show you know we don't need him the boat keeps going all that stuff then you have jim harbaugh who just perennially never lives up to expectations i think every single year i see some national writers you know some national columnists write about how this is the year that michigan breaks out you know this is the Mm -hmm. path for michigan to make the playoff i'll believe it when i see it as much as as washington has to replace it wouldn't shock me if they found a way to sneak this especially if it's like a defensive battle given you know lake's defensive history Maybe he's able to come up with something that just gives Michigan fits, especially early in the year. Yeah, yeah, and and that's why it's worth including on this list, I think. But I'm putting my money on Michigan, and I'm probably betting quite a bit. That's fair. That's fair. We'll uh, 
we'll have to do some type of like pick them and like keep track of it this year and see like yeah. you know who finishes on top. My next game is Notre Dame versus Navy. Now, That's a good one. Navy was great last year. You know, I think they surprised some folks. They're always going to be tough given that they run the triple option. This is the first time in history that this game is going to be played in Annapolis. They've been playing mm. for like over a hundred years. Mm-hmm. And it's the first time ever that Notre Dame has agreed to play at Navy. I really, really want this game to happen just because of that. I think, you know, what a cool opportunity for them. You know, so many times the, the power programs, they kind of strong arm you like, yeah, we'll play you, but you got to come here, you know, 14 times. Yep. And I just think at home, Navy week one, I really could see them upsetting Notre Dame. And, you know, Notre Dame's a program who expects to be in the college football playoff every year. And that's just one of those fun matchups where it's like, is Notre Dame legit or are they going to get screwed by this triple option offense that always takes down somebody every single year? Yeah. Well, and then with Navy losing their quarterback, it's going to be the first game for whoever they replace him with, which typically is really scary but running the option it's almost like an advantage like you almost expect because like the decision making is uh, simplified I think would be fair to say you can get that spark of playing a guy for the first time while not having the downsides of like lacking the chemistry or the guy not knowing what he's doing and I think that that's a reason they could catch him off guard that's a good point I think another thing to consider will be the offensive coordinator. When you have a, whenever you have a quarterback running the option, it's all about rhythm. You know, it's reading your defense. It's trying to figure out that balance of we're going to attack the perimeter here. Now we're going to mix it up with some like fullback dives. Air Force mm-hmm. is so frustrating because they'll run like four counters at you and then they'll do a reverse set off of that. And then they hit you with a fullback dive for eight yards and you think, well, they wouldn't do it again. And then they run the exact same play against you for 12 yards. It's very similar with Navy can you get that young inexperienced quarterback in a rhythm feeling good early? It's not quite the same as throwing the ball downfield, but I just think it's going to be so important, especially going against a bigger team like Notre Dame. I agree. Uh, My next game is North Dakota state at Oregon. This one is going to be fun. Oregon, another team that's replacing its quarterback, North Dakota state with Trey Lance, who I think is going to be the most exciting quarterback to watch this season in terms of draft positioning, because you know, right now he's projected to be a first round pick, but you go win at Oregon, you're going to shoot yourself up to like a top 10 pick. Oh yeah, exactly. But the thing is like that team doesn't need him to do all that much, you know, typically, I mean, when they're playing FCS teams, not when they're playing Oregon, but last year, I mean, in 14 games, he threw 30 passes once He threw 20 passes, I think only four other times. And a lot of the stat lines were like 10 of 13. He also threw only like 28 touchdowns, which is two per game, but ran for 14 more, which is another per game. The crazy thing is though, he didn't throw an interception all season. And so like, that's impressive. 28 is not nothing to scoff at either in a college game. No, but for an FCS quarterback who's projected to be a first round draft okay, pick. Yeah, I get you. It's he's, not Carson he's, he's Wentz. Not up, yeah, he's not putting up like 50 touchdowns or something. I get you. Yeah, and see, this is like the big question coming in the season is like, is he actually this good? And going into Oregon, there's going to be a lot of, lot of the game is put on his plate. He needs to go win it for him. And 
I mean, I think he can, especially going up against an Oregon team that's starting a new quarterback for the first time. Uh, I, again, I, that Oregon offense, like, again, talking to Dre earlier, Oregon runs a more SEC-style system than most SEC teams at this point. Like, the way they've just doubled down on defense, they're all ground and pound on offense. I think that you can get away with having a less-than-stellar quarterback and, and still make it to a Pac-12 championship, still maybe even make it to a college football playoff, even if it isn't a Justin Herbert type, type of talent. But can you do it week one when he's at his very worst against a North Dakota State team that we haven't seen take on too many of programs of Oregon's caliber during this stretch where they've won, what, six of seven national championships at the FCS level? I love any opportunity for a program like, you know, North Dakota State, James Madison, somebody that historically dominates the FCS level, a chance to prove themselves against greater competition. Now, I kind of wish they were going against like a, like an Arizona State or something like that, where I felt like, you know, they could really win this game. I just think there's so much talent on that Oregon defense that it's going to be really hard for North Dakota State to come on the road and beat you, but it's early. North Dakota State is definitely a team that if Oregon slips up, they will take advantage. You know, they have enough talent. They're not going to go in there scared. You know that. They're well coached. They have consistency within their systems. All of these things matter. This is a really, really tough game for Oregon and one where I, I bet you their athletic director is kind of like, eh, I wish we didn't have that one on the schedule. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure. Like that, that is the worst team to schedule in college football because it's either a win over an FCS team or a loss over an FCS team, even though it is an FCS team that I think would be ranked in the preseason top 25. If it were. Yeah. I yeah. Th- yeah. I think, I mean, given their success, it's, it's tough to say, you know, would they have been su- as successful if they'd been in the FBS this whole time? Yeah. But there, I, I can see an argument for that. I really do think the mountain West should pursue North Dakota state. Now they would have to North Dakota state would have to, be financially viable you know can they make that work that's a lot of travel Mm -hmm. but they're they're a basketball program on the rise obviously you know they'd do fine in football yeah it would be a lot of fun i I, that's a great game i had that in my honorable mention i kind of regret not putting that one on the list now another fun one to keep your eye on another one that's really not going to get a not a lot of national love uh washington state led by nick rolovich is going to host utah state now Utah State, not the most exciting opponent in the world, but it'll be second year under Gary Anderson. And you have Rolovich, who really understands Utah State well because he's been in the Mountain West for the last, like, eight years. How does Rolovich start his career? Does he start it off on the right track? Or, you know, if they lose, are people starting to come for his neck already? Yeah, and I, I totally agree that that's going to be a fun one to watch. And like another one, obviously with Rolovich that I am very curious in as a PAC 12 fan. And the more we talk about all these games for the PAC 12, it's like, Oh, what if USC actually does beat Bama? What if Washington actually does beat Michigan? And they just keep running through all of them. And there's a real chance that this first week of football is just devastating for the PAC 12. Yeah. I mean, if they lose out, like, they're going to win some, obviously not everybody's scheduling up, but it's a situation where like, you know, what if you have, especially, you know, week zero, week one, 
Hawaii is going to play Arizona in week zero and UCLA in week one. Yeah. Hawaii yeah, that's a tough thinking, yeah. team, man. They have a great offensive line. They have talent at the wide receiver position. They got to replace Cole McDonald at quarterback, uh, but they actually had another guy who got some reps last year. So it's not like he's going to be coming in completely raw. You know, if you lose to like, you have Arizona or, or UCLA lose to Hawaii, Washington state drops like a game to Utah state. BYU could beat Utah. I mean, it, it could really be a tough weekend. Or it could be the complete opposite, you know? It, it, it's just one of those fun ones. Where is the Pac-12 this year? It's been a while since they've been legit. So that's kind of a fun storyline to, to keep your eye on. And that's really what's so scary. Like you brought up UCLA going to Hawaii in week one. Uh, also week one, you have... Oh, where did it go? Oh, uh, Cal hosts TCU. That's another one that... TCU is going to be favored in, and I like what Cal's doing, but, but so many of these games, you know, Arizona hosting Portland state, that's devastating, but that Portland state team is a lot better than talent. people give credit. Yeah. I mean, like, they're always they, competing in the big sky. Yeah. But um, my next game, we're actually sticking with the big sky. Weber state at Wyoming. Weber's going to win that a fun one. one. I think Weber's going to win that one. I think <sighs> Wyoming, I don't love their offense. They're going to have a really good defense, like top 25 nationally defense. Hmm. But I, I know. It'll, it'll be really interesting for sure. Cause I mean, Weber's won the big sky or had a share of the big sky title each of the last three years. They were FCS semifinalists last year. Uh, they're bringing back an all-American running back. Like, I, I, no, I yeah, I mean, it's a lot team, like, like North Dakota State. They're a team you can't sleep on. CSU's lost to Weber State before. CSU's mm-hmm. lost to North Dakota State before, too. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, don't have to, we don't have to relive those moments from a decade yeah. ago. But. Uh, but yeah, I think this is the one where I'm willing to call my shot. Weber State, that's that FCS over FBS upset. Week one, Weber State. Mark it down, down, folks. Wyoming. The Pokes are losing. To Weber yep. State. Hank's calling it. You'll yep. definitely have Ram fans in your corner. Um, you know, oh, they, 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 they love fun. nothing more. So, yeah. Oh, this will be the first time. All right. Uh, what's your next nice. game? Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't have a hatred for CSU. Until, <laughs> I mean, once we get to football season and Lindsay and Eric start just being like, oh, and then all of a sudden they're going to make me hate CSU again. Cause I yeah, got, they have, they have to be sure. that way to balance it with how much crap RK talks. So it's like, yeah, that's fair. But then it pulls me into it because I have to counterbalance and then <laughs> it just turns into a mess. The, uh, the last game that I'm most excited about week one is West Virginia versus Florida state. Two teams that have not been very good over the last couple of years, two teams who are going to want to compete. Well, just two historically great programs. You know, it's not USC, Alabama, but you know that there's going to be some talent. Uh, can Florida State revive itself? It's been pretty much a disaster since Jimbo left. That's kind of a that's an intriguing one to me. And and West Virginia, you know the same same regard. You know, can you win post uh, post Dana now that he's out in Houston? Yeah, yeah, that's another good one. Uh, talking about all these games just really makes me want to watch football. Which isn't a surprise, but it's just happening again. I've got to acknowledge it. Um, I think that that's all of them that I I had. Yeah. 
those are some good games. I'm really looking forward to it. Obviously, um, you know, if you're going to, if your first response is going to be like, well, we're not even going to have a season, like just keep it to yourself. But I think it's fun <laughs> to, because cons- you know, it's going to happen. You know, that somebody on Twitter is going to be like, Oh, who cares what games you're excited about? There's not even going to be a season, whatever. Stick your head in the sand. I don't yeah, want to like, hear it. I'm trying to stay the- positive. Yeah, and if the season does get delayed, then we have a list already of the games that we were most excited to see but we miss, and then we can have our sad party and re-listen to the podcast then. <laughs> I like it. All right, let's uh, let's move on to our, our next segment, which is who we would schedule in a perfect world. We're going to do for 2021 for CU and CSU. If we got to pick the non-conference slate, I picked four opponents. Henry picked three. Henry who would Colorado's first be opponent? That didn't make any sense. Who would their first opponent be if you got to, if you were Rick George? And see, we talked about this beforehand. And so I do kind of want to just explain my thought process here before we get into this. So there's a bunch of different ways we could take it. And I do want to start by saying Rick George is much better at his job than I would be at his job because I would be very tempted to schedule Montana state just because I'd be so confident that CU would stomp on them. And that would make me happy on the inside to see them get stomped. Um, I would also like to see Colorado play Montana because that would be fun for me personally to watch my alma mater against the team I cover. I've decided to try to take my own feelings out of this and decide what would be best for the buffs. And when I look at this buffs roster, that 2021 team has a chance to be fun. You know, you've got Brendan Lewis in his second year. You've got a shot Clayton in his second year. You've got all the talent at receiver. Um, you have, if you bring Will Sherman back for his senior year, that offensive line could be incredible. There's a bunch of guys all over the roster that I'm really excited to see. And so I'd want to schedule the big guys. I, I think that that's what would be best as Colorado tries uh, again to climb back into national relevance to, to, be a team that people see in the top 25 and eventually consistently see in the top 25, you got to start out by getting some marquee wins. And uh, we're going to start with Ohio state because that's cla- That's a classic team. Bold. I, I know, but, but I just want to see what they can do. I want to give them a chance. I want to see what Colorado looks like against a good football team. And if they can keep it close that's great because a lot of people are going to be tuning in because Ohio state's playing and what Colorado needs is eyes on the program to, to boost recruiting, to boost the fandom. And could you imagine the hype going into that season? I mean, we remember last year with Nebraska, obviously that's different for so many different reasons, but if everybody knows week one, we've got Ohio state, the fans are going to be fired up all off season. Everybody has that circled. And I, I just think that it'd be very good for the culture and uh, maybe a little bit risky because they could just get stomped because Ohio State, you look at the recruits, they have more talent. According to the stars, they have the coaches that have done it before. They've done all of that stuff, but still I want it to happen. So you're going on the road to Ohio State, I would assume then? because I- um, Ideally at home, if we can make that happen, I would say like at CU, at Folsom is what you want because you want to give yourself a chance to win it. You want the fans to come in. You want the you want Folsom be popping. You want national TV broadcasts in there. Everybody like, oh, wow, this is so cool. Ohio State here. Um, since this is a dream world, that's how we're starting the season, at home against Ohio State. 
it's definitely a fun one. And I always agree with the premise that you shouldn't be scared from scheduling. If you're, if you're going to advance as a program, you have to play good teams. The -hmm. counter is obviously if you get slaughtered and lose like 70 to 10, all of that excitement then goes right out the window. It does. It very much does. And that's a risk that I'm willing to take. And again, I just really like where the bus will be. And honestly, I guess 20, no, I mean, that, that could be good. Depends on how quickly Brendan Lewis develops, whether 2021 is the year, 2022 is the year, but they have that secondary altogether. They have that offensive line. Again, if Will Sherman comes back for his senior year, which I'm not too sure he will, with the running backs, not because I know something I want to throw out there. That's not like a scoop or anything. I just think he's that good. Um, the receivers with Brendan Rice is going to be out there. Jerry Rice's kid. And across from him, across from him is Vontae Chenault, Visca's little brother. And they've got all the other talent there too. I just think that why not give it a run? I like it. All right, so you're starting big. You're going week one, Colorado host Ohio State. Who you got week two? Week two is tougher because I'm not doubling down on that same strategy. You got to give yourself at least one win in non-conference schedule. Which was exactly my thought process when I picked Nebraska. You got you got to schedule Nebraska. If if you can schedule Nebraska, like that should be on the schedule until that's a conference game. Like any time you have the chance to make them one of your non-conference games, just do it. Just make it happen. And I get that, like they've already scheduled so far out, and you can't just make 2021 happen. But if I could, I would. You have to include Nebraska in any non-conference schedule. Plus, I think they'd win that game. You got to go on the road at least once in your non-conference play. So are you you traveling to Lincoln? Because you don't get both those games at home. You got to do at least one on the road. That's fair. Um, I mean, it's Nebraska's turn to host. We'll we'll bring him back for 2022. As much as I hate taking that game away from Boulder, because I feel like in saying this, I am literally ripping that game from the hands of Buffs fans who think they're going to be able to watch it in Boulder. Um, And I don't feel good about that, but it is their turn. Ohio State, I don't want to go there on the road. You got to go Nebraska on the road then. And a pair of Big Ten teams to start going big. Yeah. Yeah, one I, last I, slot to spill or with, to spill, to fill with the, the Pac-12 having a nine-game conference slate. Yep. Who are you going and with? This, again, just gets so tough because – as much as I want to keep scheduling the big dogs, you know, you think like, okay, who would you really want to see? I want to see Bama play football. And so I want them to come to Colorado, but that is not going to be my choice because I'm not going to say we're we're playing every single good team. You have to temper things. We're going to save Bama for 2022. And in 2021, we're going to bring Wyoming down from Wyoming and play them in Folsom and, the Buffs are going to beat them up. Hey, you, you, I mean, you got to get a win in there. You got to get a win in there. Dude, CSU fans would rally with Wyoming fans in unprecedented territory. You think so? To root against the Buffs in that game. Yeah, because it's, Interesting. it's, it's exactly like when, you know, you take CSU off the slate and then you schedule Air Force. It's like, oh. what are you, come <laughs> on, man. Like, uh, I mean, from this side of it, the the variety kind of plays into that CSU discussion. And I think that that's more for me personally than for buff fans in general, because there is that rivalry aspect there. And like Rocky Mountain Showdown is really cool. And I really enjoyed it. But at the same time, you only have three games that rotate between teams that you don't play 
maybe not every year because you only play like nine of the other 11 Pac-12 teams every year, but you only play three new teams essentially every year. And for one of those to be taken away with Colorado State just gets frustrating. Like to make it once every four years and then be able to rotate. It's not in frequent enough. It's not Wyoming. frequent enough. Rotate in an Air Force. You want to play every other play year? I can accept teams. that. But the whole notion that CU is so impressive that they're so scheduling that they can't play them like once, but every five years. That's I won't accept it until CU is winning. You y'all start winning. Y'all start, you know, nationally top twenty-five. You actually have a, a leg to stand on. Sure. But when you're projected to go three and nine in the Pac-12 and, and nobody in the world takes you seriously, and then you go out and you schedule Air Force and Wyoming and all of this, I'm not going to hear it. I'm not going to accept it. But, but, uh, I, but I think it would be a fun game. For all that crap I gave you, I do think it would be intriguing. You would get some Wyoming fans that would come down to Boulder. You kind of have the, the you know, Wyoming rugged versus like the Boulder hippies or whatever. You know, There's mm-hmm. some fun that you could do there. I get it. It, it. it would be an intriguing option. I, I like local. I like that you're exactly. scheduling someone, you know, along the front range. But I had to give you some crap there because if I didn't, That's fair. CSU That's fair. fans are going to come from my neck. But for me, like, I, I just don't think that CSU is just entitled to be the local team that the Buffs play. Like, That's you have fair. an Air Force here. You have a Wyoming here. Like, we're not... You, there's variety in the local teams you pick, too. Like, I wouldn't mind scheduling Northern Colorado occasionally just because it's it just kind of feels like your responsibility to the college football community to say like whether Colorado is the best team in the region or not they're the Pac-12 team they get the easy path to recognition they get people who tune in because of the way the broadcast rights are all flipped around and you have to have Colorado State like that is the big rivalry but you have a responsibility to Northern Colorado, to Air Force, to Wyoming to say, hey, we have a slightly bigger platform, if that's all you want to call it. So let's pull you in and see what happens. I think it's definitely a fair counter that CSU isn't entitled to being that local school. But like it or not, CSU is definitely the second largest fan base in terms of like, so if you're talking about what is actually best for college football in the state of Colorado, it's getting as many people interested as possible. And when you have a game with the two largest fan bases in the state, to me, it's a no brainer. You look at Utah versus BYU, they're playing every year. There, there were some breaks, I think actually where they didn't play every year, but more or less, you know, in a decade, they're probably playing at least eight times. For me, if it's CSU-CU, I get that there's not a lot for CU to gain from winning this game. If you win, you beat the Mountain West team you're supposed to. If you lose, it's like, oh, God, we lost to a Mountain West team. So I get that it kind of sucks. Maybe you play like, I don't know, six times in a decade, seven times. I could live with something like that. Something like you play four games in Boulder, three in Fort Collins, something like that. I don't know. I just I think it's such an important game just given that college football isn't big here. It's not massive. It's not the SEC. There's not going to be interest no matter what. Why take away the one game that – all the casual fans care about on both sides. Yeah. And and I think that, uh, I mean, obviously very good points and we like agree 90% here, but, but the thought process for me is like, if we don't realize how big that game is, like it's not even that it's that if you make it every other year, then all of a sudden that game just gets bigger when you don't play them every single year, because it doesn't feel 
like the city just stops because CU and CSU are playing. And ideally it would. Ideally, that would be the story of Colorado for the week. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's going everywhere in black and gold or green and gold. I guess just black and green because the gold doubles up. But the, the, way, the way it would work is like essentially you, you make it feel like this bigger thing. Like say, hey, if you guys aren't going to appreciate it, take it away for a couple of years. And then when it comes back, everybody will get fired up again. And while it's gone, throw in some of these smaller games and say, here's Air Force, here's all these teams. And the other thing with the scheduling is that when Colorado schedules games and schedules them five years out, six years out, they aren't thinking, oh, we're going to be one of the three worst Pac-12 teams at the time. They're that's thinking, part of the problem. Scheduling in, in college athletics in general is stupid. Like the fact it's, that it's I know CSU is going to go to Texas Tech in 2026 or like they're going to go to <laughs> Tucson, Arizona in 2029. Like, sweet, I will be 34. yeah exactly but but when you are scheduling that far out like you look at and say okay we're a pac-12 team colorado state's a mountain west team you expect i mean them both to be just an average pac-12 team a mountain average mountain west team and if you're colorado's ad you're saying by that point and i mean mel tucker was here at the time it's like mel's going to build us to this and now it's like carl durell and by the time those games come around the people at Colorado legitimately believe that they will have climbed the PAC 12 ranks, whether that's true or not. I mean, it hasn't been true obviously for the past 11, 12 years. And now we're at this point where yeah, Colorado state and Colorado will play week one. And there's a good chance that the game is two scores or less. It could very well be a one score game and Colorado state could win it. But when this game was agreed upon, whenever it was seven, eight years ago, Colorado was probably thinking, Oh, yeah, we'll be in the top 25. Colorado State will be a, a, maybe a high-end Mountain West school. And we should be the better team by that time. That's all fair. It's certainly um, all fair. I just, I think it was just weird timing when all of this went down. When you look at the attendance numbers for the Rocky Mountain Showdown, it's been going up. It's been going up. The interest is there. There was like a, you know, there was kind of a lull from huh. in the mid-2000s to like 2000 you know, 12-ish when you're only pulling like, you know, high 50,000, 60,000 people. But we saw pretty consistently over like the last six, seven years, you know, you're pulling 70 plus thousand fans for this game. It's just weird to me to take away a game where you have that much interest. But, you know, like I said, it's one of those where it's, it's, it's always going to be, there's two sides, neither are necessarily wrong. Mm-hmm. I just think it's disappointing when you lose a big game. But uh, my ideal slate, and we don't have to talk about it anymore, obviously, because we just drilled it. Week one, we're starting CSU-CU. Uh, we're keeping the Rocky Mountain Showdown because I just argued for it for 20 minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, it, another deal, like I actually think it would be more fun if this game took place the last week of the season instead of the first week of the season, make it like an Alabama-Auburn type deal. Montana-Montana Montana State, Bo- I'm yeah. right there with you. Mike Bobo actually talked about that every year. He's like, I wish, you know, this game or the border war, like, why are we not, you know, why are we playing like Boise state the last week of the season? It doesn't make any sense. Um, Mm -hmm. So either you start the season or end the season with them either way. I don't care. As long as the Rocky mountain showdown happens after that though, I'm going to get a little bit, not bold because I think it's a very winnable game, but I would do CSU travels to BYU. And the reason I do this is BYU used to be in the Mountain West. Colorado State and BYU had just a ton of shootouts in the 90s. 
early 2000s, two fan bases that didn't actually used to get along all that much. It's not really a, you know, one where they consider it a, a rivalry per se, but CSU fans don't like BYU fans. BYU fans don't like CSU fans. You get a big national audience. The game would probably be on like ESPN2 on like a Friday night or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good opportunity. You can travel, you know, people can drive. Big game. Agreed. Yeah. Week three, I would do Kansas State, which not the most exciting program in the world, but I think it's a big 12 team that you could realistically get to come to Fort Collins. Got a lot of Kansas State fans out in this area. I don't know. I just think like them, Iowa State, something like that. Obviously, it would be great to get like a Texas or Oklahoma, but it's it's just not realistically if you're a Mountain West program. So I think it would be kind of an opportunity, good opportunity, maybe winnable. K-State's usually pretty good, though. You know, they're not really like a team that you think of, but they usually hang around the top 25. Huh. Yeah, that's – those are good choices. Um, I need to jump back to mine real quick because I can feel myself getting slaughtered right now by people who are listening and thinking – how in the whatever word you use to fill that in, did you not schedule Michigan State and Mel Tucker? And I am right there with you. I think that that definitely needs to be in there. In hindsight, I just realized that that was a brutal oversight. So who are you part. taking out then? Probably Ohio State. I think you probably keep those other two. I think the other two make a lot of sense. And then Michigan State becomes your top dog that isn't really a top dog and will likely be even less of a top dog. I then. Watch it. I'd yeah. watch it for sure. Yeah. The, uh, the fourth and final game I would go oh, with yeah, yeah. would be at Texas Tech. And the reason I would do at oh. Texas Tech, recruiting, I think it's really big to get oh. games inside the state of Texas. Texas, California, yeah. Florida. Anytime you can get games yep. in any of those three states, you got to go for it. And it's the similar line of thinking as the Kansas State. You know, Texas Tech, they're going to have a size advantage, an athletic advantage. But it's not like you're going into Austin. It's not like you're going into play Oklahoma. Even Oklahoma State, I think, would be a tougher matchup than Texas Tech. It just kind of feels like one of those where it's like, yeah, you still probably lose by double digits. But at least you go into it, you know, like thinking it's worth watching. You have a chance. Yep. But mostly recruiting. It's, it just all comes down to recruiting. Get a game in Lubbock. You can get recruits out there. You know, you get to show them, look, we'll come out to you. We're not scared. I don't think it's big. You know, you could do TCU as well. They would, they would also be applicable mm-hmm. used to be in the mountain West. So you have those mm-hmm. roots there. Maybe you could work something out, but anytime you can get a game in the state of Texas, you got to do it. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I think that that is very well reasoned. You would be a better AD than I would. <laughs> I will concede that to you. Uh, I did just think of one more thing. Um, there's a clause in Colorado's tax or tax uh in contract in colorado's contract with uh texas a&m that uh says that colorado can play the game at the broncos stadium in uh that would be what in 2021 i believe they play is it back-to-back years yet or no yeah yeah that's right and so if that were the case it would be interesting to see what that draw is compared to a rocky mountain showdown draw I'm not sure there's so many A&M fans that you're pulling 70,000 even for that game. I would agree. The question just like casual college football fans, would they make up the difference? 
or people who hate Texas A&M because they go wherever. I don't know. Well, that's, that's a good point. There are a ton of people from the Midwest. So you could maybe just kind of pull in, you know, I'm just like a college football fan. Somebody like me, you know, I would go to a game like that if given the opportunity. I, I still think it would be a better opportunity to bring them on campus though. I just think like, unless it's specifically for capacity, so that you yep. can get the maximum amount of people possible and you, you logistically can fill it I, or realistically. I just don't think you should take the games away from campus. I agree. I very much agree. Supposedly back in the day, uh, CSU and USC had a contract to play a game at oh. Mile High and USC was able to back out of it, unfortunately. Oh, wow. Bunch of, that would be bunch of lames. something else. Oh, they yeah. would get destroyed. This was like, oh, this was like 05, like during the height oh, wow. of USC's. Because CSU actually played at USC in 2004 and lost like, I think it was 49 to zero. It was bad. Oh, wow. But yeah. I mean, that team had Reggie and Matt Liner mm-hmm. and Lendell White and they were just stacked. That's so dope. I just want football back so bad. That's what this all reinforces. Definitely. This was a fun episode. I think it was, was a nice little exercise. Well, It'll probably be something we do, you know, throughout the season. Which games are we most excited about this week? Yeah. I, I think we each got to like... Individually, uh, but it's more fun to go back and forth. I feel like we should each pick like three against the spread or something. Or like five every week. Yeah, we'll definitely like have a to running get DraftKings involved. Oh, yeah. Uh, at some point. But before we go, tell, tell our nice folks listening about the Lawnmower 3.0 and what you can get with DNVR. Oh, wow. Uh... The lawnmower 3.0 is incredible. Just put them on the spot there. (laughs) There are so many things about it that I just love. You know, the fact that it's 7,000 RPM, I think that that's very, very good. That sounds like a a lot of RPM. This is a precise piece of machinery. This was designed specifically to erase the pubic hairs that you no longer want. It has an LED light. What a Which, terrible description this has been so far. I, I know, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, it really does just fly through stuff. And I, I just, I, it doesn't make any sense to me why that LED light seems so helpful because I, I, I used it the first time and I was like, everybody keeps talking about this. I, it's not going to make a difference. And then you use it and you're like, wow, you really do need that. It's almost like, imagine if you were just like, cutting anything and how annoying it can be and then all of a sudden it's just like more clear again i can't explain how it it makes things so much easier but it doesn't make any sense is what i will say it just makes me feel like i'm a professional you know what i'm doing it's Mm. it's not like you know it's not like you're like a awkward 14 year old in the bathroom trying to like oh god i hope this works with the with the lawnmower (laughs) 3.0 it's smooth. Have you ever thought of voice acting? Yes, actually. Well, you should do it. That was like a perfect like little kid voice. <laughs> like, like if somebody like reaches out and says like, hey, we're looking for somebody who could voice this 11-year-old who's kind of uncomfortable, you should jump on that. This is something to consider. Maybe I'm going to pivot. I'm just going to give up sports media altogether and try to become a voice actor. It is... I cannot explain the downpour that is just happening outside. I keep like looking out the window and I feel weird about it, but Oh wow. I can see the sun on your face when you open that. 
I can see how bright it is. Wow, it's just dark. It looks like it's nighttime. Like I can't see the parking lot that's like 50 feet away. There's like hail. I wonder if I can turn you so you can see. This is terrible podcasting. Oh man, that's, it is coming down up there. Yeah, you can kind of see. But it's it's disgusting. And I uh, I have to go get dinner. <laughs> uh, and I should probably do that right now. Um, do it. Anyways, oh wait, we didn't use the use code. The code. Yeah, we got to use the code. code. CNVR20 for 20% off. Do it. You're going to get a little nice little travel case. You get the lawnmower 3.0, which is clutch. You can use it, you know, on your private area. If you got ugly feet like me, maybe you got to trim the hair off your feet. Hey, there's no shame yes. in that. Self-love, baby. Uh, they give you ball deodorant. They give you a crop reviver. Just an awesome, awesome company. Shout out to Manscaped. Use that code DNVR20. Do it. Get that perfect package, 3.0. Very good. Okay. Uh, I think that does it for today. We will be back next week to talk about whatever happened in the college sports world. And hopefully it's good. And then we'll talk about some fun stuff like we did today too. All right. Uh, Anything else you have to say, Justin? Wash your hands, wear a mask. Ah, see, that was much smarter than anything I would have come up with. Okay, uh, we'll see you next week.